You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going and you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we have Peter Watts joining us in the studio for the very last time for perhaps a long time. Well, for who knows how long. Yes, it's great to be here, Jason. It's hard to actually... I'm sitting here in the usual spot on a Tuesday morning and uh, hard to imagine that this is our last time together for a while. Yeah, because you're heading off to Victoria, and uh, who knows, you might end up doing some radio over there. I would love to, actually. I, uh, I, I've really enjoyed the last couple of years, and of course, uh, prior to coming to Tasmania, we were doing radio in uh, North New South Wales with my good friend and colleague, Danny Melenkov. Mm. Um, so, uh, yes, and, and, and we certainly have a studio uh, in Melbourne, and... Um, it may be that uh, I get to do some of that. We'll wait and see. Mm, see what happens. But uh, anyway, it's good to have you here today. Yeah, it's good to be <laughs> For our last uh, series, the last episode in the series, uh, A Light in the Dark. Mm. So, um, and, of course, you can listen to all of our series um, on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. Or you can download the app. That's Faith FM Australia app from the App Store. So... We'd encourage you to do that, and you can listen both live and also to all of our past episodes there as well. So I find the app um, very convenient, and so I've got the app on my phone. Mm, it is helpful. Now, and of course, you can listen wherever you are, even if you're driving or whatever. If you've got uh, you know, your car with a Bluetooth connection to your phone, you can listen to it and get good uh, signal all the way. So. It's a great thing to do. Now, um, today, Peter, we put in this topic really as a result of some of our discussion last week on air. It's <laughs> called The Love-Hate Relationship. Indeed. And uh, we're going to dig into that this morning. Um, do you want to just give us a bit of an intro as Lay to the table. where we're going with this? Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, we, it sort of came out of our conversation, didn't it, last week? And um, The Love-Hate Relationship, we're really talking about... Um, the fact that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. Mm. And uh, that is something that God is very good at, but uh, we find uh, it's something of a balancing act as human beings because of our uh, fallen nature and the fact that uh, sometimes we have biases. Um, you know, we're all brought, brought up in different situations and we all um, might uh, have, have sympathies in one area or another. And, um, you know, to love the sinner and hate the sin is easy to say, but actually harder to live out. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, when Jesus came uh, into the world, there were um, people with a variety of different attitudes towards uh, the, these two um these two areas of, of loving the sinner and hating the sin. And, of course, Jesus came into the world because he, he loved sinners. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe one of the questions I think we're going to ask people later today is, um, you know, uh, are there other things that you have a love-hate relationship with? And I was thinking of some of those myself. You know, maybe junk food is something that we have a love-hate relationship. We love mm. we love the taste, but we hate what it does to us in the long run. Or maybe you have a, a love-hate relationship with alcohol mm. um, or or even animals, maybe pets. You could have a pet that doesn't, isn't, doesn't do as it's told. Or even children, dare I say it, mm. exclamation mark. Do we have a love-hate relationship with our children? Sometimes I know... As a teenager, I could be quite 
uh, difficult at times. And I'm sure that uh, sometimes my mother had a love-hate relationship with me, uh, that she loved me, but she didn't always love everything that I was doing. And, um, you know, sometimes perhaps we can think of that, you know, that parental relationship maybe is uh, a good angle to maybe look at this uh, from mm. uh, because God is described as our heavenly father mm. we're encouraged to pray by Jesus our father who art in heaven so um, I think the, the reason this is a challenging topic it, you know it's a very simple sentence right love the sinner hate the sin um, and I think it's you yeah go ahead and I'll, I'll say what I think is is, is uh, difficult in a minute there's a thought there that's just mulling around in my brain that mm. uh, I thought I'd raise up we haven't talked about this before but sometimes um, we can't separate the sin from the person and I'm also thinking of that in the context of ourselves. Mm. Sometimes we hate ourselves mm. because we we've have, done things, we, or yeah, yeah. And and it, That's a good I guess point. this this applies to our relationship with other people, but it does also what we're talking about here does also apply to ourselves, isn't it? So, Absolutely. The, now I'm really glad that you raised that because sometimes we have this self-loathing mm. because we know uh, what we've done. We've we know make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more mm. than mistakes as well. I mean, yes, we make mistakes, but sometimes we do things that we know are wrong but we do them because we want to mm. you know and and i know that that's had been the case in my own life where and then and then we have this self hatred if you like we have this self loathing because we identify with the with the sin yeah. we, we identify well, we with that yeah we recognize the wrongness of the sin mm. and that was me and so and and yes we 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 don't differentiate and i i love the fact that this is one of the the beauties of the gospel is that when we see that God, who is so great and he's the creator of the universe, and but he's willing to forgive me mm. individually, that that grace really is healing. Uh, it really enables me to be able to uh, say, well, if God is willing to forgive and put that away, put that sin away, then I should be willing to do that for myself. Mm. God's willing to do that for me. Mm. And I can see, I can begin to see myself as God sees me. And does that then, I think if we can grasp that, that perhaps helps us with the understanding of other people and our relationship mm. with other people to be able to say, well, you know, I, I have to accept the fact that I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, I've done some bad things, but I'm not identifying with that. You know, I know God loves me anyway, and so when we have relationships with other people, we can say, okay, if somebody makes a mistake, we can recognize, you know, the action as a mistake or as sin, but we don't um, hate the person because of that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That, that's that's a part of our growing process, isn't mm. it? To be able to be patient, to be able to be forgiving, to be able to be understanding of a person who uh, does wrong mm. uh, when we consider how God has dealt with us, how he has treated us. And, and I think obviously this... Uh, and maybe the lesson is biggest when the person has done wrong to us, mm, when mm. the person has, you know, actually affected our mm, lives rather than, us, yeah. yeah, if we, we see somebody, you know, on the news that's sort of broken in and, and you know, held up it, a petrol station it, or something. Not, it's not so personal. It's not but, so personal. But mm. when we actually are affected, and, and I think that that um, is very pertinent because, of course, all of our sin affected God personally. Mm. You know, it sent Jesus to the cross. 
Mm. And so um, it, it, it's, uh, it's not something that happens somewhere out there. Our sins have actually affected the life of God. Mm. And uh, when he can be uh, compassionate and forgiving and so forth, then I think that that, that enables us to. So you, You've got a, a great example here, and I think this helps mm. us to start to understand how we can separate. That, but this is easy, I think, for people to understand where you're saying here, well, if somebody's got cancer, mm. we can hate the cancer, but we can love the person. Yeah. Now, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. And I mm. think, you know, there is a verse that we'll come to, and maybe we can do it now. It's the Mark two fifteen to 17 verse, which you've got on your yep, list here. here. So if you can put it on there, that would be helpful. There we go. Um, so so maybe read that out. This is Mark two fifteen to 17, and we'll just maybe deal with this one verse, because I think you've, you've, you've raised a good point. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with the tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm. So here, in this passage, uh, Jesus is at uh, a dinner party, effectively. He's Mm. been invited to Levi's house. This is Matthew Levi. Um, and Matthew Levi was a tax collector, mm-hmm. and, and a tax collector back then was like a traitor. Mm. It was a traitor to the nation. They would take money from the Jews, give it to the Romans, and they would keep some of it themselves as well. And so they were very poorly regarded by the regular person. And so when it says tax collectors and sinners, um, we might not like people who collect tax today, but it's nothing like <laughs> it was in those days. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the... the uh, the, the religious elite, the scribes and the Pharisees, are saying, How's it, how can you do this? How, how can you sit around? You know, you're espousing righteousness, but you're sitting around with, with sinners, mm. you know, and you're eating and drinking with them. With, you're not with thieves. <laughs> yeah, you're not just passing them in the street. You're not, e- not even just having the casual conversation. Mm. You're sitting at the table with mm. these people. Mm. And um, Jesus says, you know, those who are well have no need of a physician. And in other words, he's equating here, he's, he's describing the sin uh, as a sickness. Mm. Okay, he, The sin is like a sickness. And when you mentioned before that you know, we, we find it easy, easy to differentiate. If somebody has cancer, we have no problem saying we hate cancer, but we don't equate the cancer with that person in the same sense that, that um, we hate that and it's currently a part of you, but we would prefer it not to be a part of you. Mm. And I think that Jesus is recognizing that element of sin as a sickness in this passage, and um, so it's some, sometimes helpful for us to see see that way. It's another great example of um, um, smoking. You know, we can we can hate smoking and the cigarettes and the smell of smoke, and you can hate that being around you, but. You can still love the person who might still uh, struggle with smoking. We'll, we'll come mm. back to that illustration because mm. uh, that's quite a personal one for me. Um, we'll come back to that illustration after the break. Okay. We've got a question for you. What are some other things that you have a love-hate relationship with? We'd love to hear from you this morning. This is a live program. We uh, will receive your messages and uh, we can share them online if you text us in. So our show number today is 488 Eight eight zero eight nine one. That's our Tassie Encounters number zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Text us in. What are some things that you have a love hate relationship with? We'd love to hear from you today. 
This is Shine On Us by Craig and Dean Phillips. on Faith FM and we're talking with Peter Watts this morning on the topic of the love-hate relationship and we asked you a question before the break and the question was what are some things that you have a love-hate relationship 
with. And we'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488880891. Peter, just before the break, I mentioned the situation of a smoker and uh, mm. and smoking. We can... We can hate or despise the smoking and uh, well, the consequences of that, obviously, that uh, we know that it can cause uh, lung cancer. But um, how do we love the smoker? Mm. And I think that this is comes to that point that you mentioned earlier on about how do we separate the activity, the behaviour or uh, the sin from the individual? Uh, how do we see that individual separate from the activity? Mm. And, um, yeah, this is personal to me because, I mean, I was a smoker from about 14 to 24. Uh, I smoked cigarettes fairly irregularly. I wasn't uh, a chain smoker. My dad was a chain smoker. He would smoke, uh, you know, large amounts of cigarettes in a day. And our house, when I was growing up in the UK, our house was, uh, it was like the November fog in, in our house. I mean, there was constantly smoke. I actually, even today, I, I wake up every day and, and thank the Lord that I, I, I now have a smoke-free environment uh, to, to live in. But you didn't think about it back then. It was just how it was. And it wasn't just the house. We used to go, I used to go and work at um, the car factory. Um, my father worked there and I worked there. And we would go walk up the hill, get on the bus, and the bus would be filled with smoke as well as, as you know, on the way. And in freezing cold weather, you'd have all the windows closed. Um, and so I was sort of used to that environment. And I remember... Um, when I had uh, moved to Australia, I'd given up smoking. I now had a family of my own, and my uh, dad would come to our house uh, in in Victoria. My mum and dad would come over, and my dad uh, and I would say, you know, Dad, would you mind, you know, smoking outside? Um, because we didn't really want that contaminating smoke getting anywhere near the baby mm. and uh and he, he sort of took offense at that it was like you're asking me to go outside of the house mm. and uh you know he, he, uh, obviously my dad was addicted to smoking in fact it killed him in the end he, he, he died of cancer um but i said to my uh, dad i said i love you but i hate smoking because smoking is going to kill you um, and, and I had to sort of, uh, and I spelt that out to dad. And, and, and I think that this was a situation where he could not see a separation between him and his packet of fags. Mm. And, um, and I think that sometimes we are like that, but that's not how God is. God understands that we're trapped in this uh, situation of sin, and he wants us to wants to release us from mm. that. Mm. He wants to deal with the sin. He wants us to bring it to him, uh, and he will deal with it. And I think that um, just, the way in which we deal with others uh, needs to to reflect more the way God deals with us. So, for instance, um, often when hating the sin, we can allow that to spill over into devaluing the person, mm. right? So I hate the sin so much that I will, you know, allow that to affect how I see the person. Or uh, in response to that, and, and this might be, you know, you, you think of the classic, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees that we read about earlier, the religious elite at the time of Jesus, we might say, well, they despise the sin and they uh, that allow you know that that spilled over into allowing them to hate the sinner as well um or when somebody sees that attitude uh, and is um you know disgusted by that attitude they, they can in response 
some wanting to love the sinner excuse or minimize the sin uh, in order to not offend the sinner you know and i think that we have to get the balance right um sometimes we think if we love the sinner that can sometimes be seen as condoning the sin uh which it is not or if we hate the sin that can sometimes be seen as being unkind to the sinner hmm. and i think that uh we we have to be able to differentiate the two and and uh, you know your earlier illustration about the disease you know if we have cancer we recognize that we want to cut the cancer out but we want to keep the patient alive hmm. right we want to save the patient but we want to destroy the disease and uh really that's that's a good illustration of the way god sees it and sees us and it, it's a much easier one for us to understand yeah. yeah and of course it gets complicated because as we mentioned you know if if the sin is something personal to us uh we find it much more difficult you know the the interpersonal relationships that we have with people you know it's one thing if somebody has done something wrong somewhere to someone else mm. but it is um you know it's very much more difficult i think for us to have somebody do something bad to us and for us to be able to still value that person to want that person to be saved right i mean uh, we're supposed to pray for our enemies right even jesus said you know uh, pray for those who persecute you right and who actively are trying to destroy you and and probably jesus is the you know uh, he's the best illustration of this he's dying on the cross mm. right and surrounded said, by people who want him to die and he calls out to uh, forgive them yeah and mm. he says father forgive them for they don't know what they do in other words mm. they don't know what they're doing and mm. i think in in our world today uh, and this was true of me uh we're living life and we don't really know what we're doing mm. uh we, we if we don't understand what life is actually about uh if we don't understand the purpose of life if we don't understand who we are as individual you know as human beings if we don't understand who god is because he is the one ultimately that defines who we are as human beings if he is the creator then he defines what we are and he's revealed what we are in scripture and he's also revealed why we're in trouble <laughs> why we have a problem why we have this cancer called sin and what he's done to uh, to deal with it we've got a few uh, verses here that mm. you've chosen so i think we should cover those before our next break absolutely <laughs> let's let's take a look at uh, a famous verse john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but mm. have everlasting life yeah this is one of the the most uh, well-known verses in scripture because it sort of encapsulates the gospel the good news in one verse mm. where it's telling us that god so loved the world not not just a few people not the religious people not just the christians or the jews but he loved the world uh that he gave his only begotten son and so the the gift that god has given in him you know in giving his son jesus to come into the world to live and then to die for us um tells us to what degree god loves the world mm. you know it, it's it you could have said god so loved the world that he had the rain fall on the fields and grow the plants mm. you know or god so loved the world that he produced beautiful flowers for everybody to see but no this is he did all those things by the way mm. <laughs> he does those things as well but it says god so loved the world that he gave his son it's interesting too that um, 
here, it's not saying that God so loved the sin. Yeah. It's saying God so loved the world, and by that yeah. he means the people. The people, the of, people the of the world. That is so true. Mm. That's a good point, actually, by the mm. way, because there are verses in Scripture where it says, do not love the world. Mm. Well, hang on. The Bible says God so loved the world. What, mm. does, what does that mean? Mm. So we have to understand it in context, because mm. as you rightly say, when it says here, for God so loved the world, he's talking about the people of the world. When he says, do not love the world or the things in it, he's talking about the values of this world. Mm. So the values of the fallen world are really driven by selfishness. and uh, But Jesus is looking to save the people of the world. And um, that's why he came into the world. Um, so, yeah, um, in Revelation 1.5, we have a beautiful verse here because it gives an order uh, to the way in which God worked. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Mm, okay, so this is telling us that he loved us first and that was what motivated him to wash us. And it's, it's a very strange verse in, in lots of ways where it says he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Mm. I don't know if anybody has ever washed in blood. I never have. No, I, I uh, have not. Can you imagine standing <laughs> in the cubicle and turning on the, the, the faucet of the shower and blood coming out and mm. pouring out over you or getting into a bath of blood? Now, of course, the, you know, this is written by Jewish people. Mm. Um, this revelation was written by Jewish people and, and they understood the uh, sacrificial system yeah. and they understood it. It was the blood of the sacrifice exactly. that um, represented um, the, the cleansing. Yeah, so, yeah. so what, what is happening here is how is it that we can be washed from our sins in his own blood? Well, as he shed his blood, he paid the price for all of our sins. Mm. And thereby he was able to say, the penalty for your sins, I will take. Mm. You do not have to suffer the penalty of uh, eternal separation from God because of your sins, I'm going to take that upon myself and die on the cross and shed his own blood. So that's the way in which he washed us in his blood. Um, I want to read this uh, next verse just before we go to the break because it's such a beautiful verse. Uh, this is First John 3 verse 1 that says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Mm. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Mm. So, uh, yes, I just love this, the fact that, or this image, as we mentioned earlier, that uh, like the family relationship, yeah. like the parent-child relationship, that God calls us his children. We'll come back to that after the break, Jason, because mm. I don't want to unpack that. That's a great verse. Mm. Well, right now we're going to have a listen to this great song. It's called Worth by Noema Moore. Shutting off from the truth 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Peter Watts, the last in our series, A Light in the Dark, and we've been talking about the love-hate relationship. And uh, just before the break, we read this verse uh, from uh, 1 John 3, verse 1, and uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit more, Peter. Mm. So, yeah, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. I love this verse because um, it's talking about that family dynamic where God is described as our Father, and we are invited to become once again children of God. Now, if you go back to creation, uh, we were literally children of God. God was the only Father that we ever knew, uh, and uh, he created humankind and said, Be fruitful and multiply. And, uh, of course, when Adam and Eve sinned, they separate them, separated themselves from, from God, and effectively it was like divorcing God. Mm. Um, and so when you get to the New Testament, Paul talks about being adopted back into the family of God. So, in other words, it wasn't that God didn't want us to be part of his family, but rather that we stepped away from him. And he is inviting us to come back and be officially recognized as you know, sons and daughters, once again, children of God. And uh, you kind of see this in the prodigal son uh, parable, Yeah, you know, where where the prodigal son decides to take that which God has provided or the father has provided and says, give me my inheritance and I'm going to use it, you know, any which way I want. 
and he literally physically separates himself from the Father. He goes to a far country and uh, he uses those things which God has provided or the Father has provided for his own selfish uh, enjoyment or whatever, his own selfish pleasure. And then he comes to the realisation when he has nothing left, he comes to the realisation that God is good or the Father is good and he decides to go back and says, look, I'll come back and be a servant of yours. But the father runs to him, clothes him, puts a ring on his finger, which was a symbol of the authority of, of the household. Um, and, and he says, you're not going to be a servant. You're going to be my son again, uh, like it was before. And so this is what God, God wants. He's looking for that parent-child relationship. And, you know, I've often said to people that... Um, Almost all the human beings I've ever met desire a father-child relationship. Mm. They may not have had perfect fathers in this world. They may not have known their father at all in this world. Um, But God is wanting to be that father to them. And uh, so that father-child relationship that we see in that verse, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called children of God. Uh, He wants us to be in that relationship with him Mm. again. All right, there's some other verses we want to talk about. Uh, This idea of compassion. Yeah. Um, Well, see, we've got – well, I just wanted to mention we've called this um, program the love-hate relationship, and mm. we're talking about loving the sinner whilst hating the sin and getting that balance, uh, understanding that balance as God understands it. There's a verse in uh, Micah here that talks about God's compassion mm. on us. It says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Yeah, what a beautiful beautiful picture uh, of God taking away our sin and throwing it away, throwing it far away from us um, and and him having mercy on us. Mm. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's that compassion that drove Jesus to come to this world, to step into humanity, um, to live in a life where where he had to experience suffering and privation. You know, I don't think that we really get what it was like for Jesus to live in that circumstance too. Mm. I mean, we, we know the Christmas story that's uh, coming up uh, soon that we, we will remember once again how Jesus was born into uh, an impoverished situation. Um, born in a stable. Yeah, born in a stable <laughs> and then had to dash uh, as a refugee from persecution uh, even as a little baby, um, off to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill all the babies. Mm. And then, um, you know, returns to Nazareth and, you know, people said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He, he Obviously, Nazareth wasn't the, the height. It wasn't Beverly Hills. Mm. You know, it was, uh, it was not the kind of suburb you wanted to move into. And so it was not highly regarded. Uh, and uh, he, you know, had a humble life. Um, he was no doubt persecuted even in his growing up years. He, you know, when you, you often see this if you've ever been in the schoolyard, if, if somebody is good and doing good, they're often, you know, they're often made uh, the object of mockery and uh, of other people because uh, somehow a person's goodness uh, highlights our badness, and um, mm. so it must have been that way for Jesus. But uh, of course, he endured mockery uh, and. Uh, 
abuse when you know as an adult and of course he went to the cross to suffer and die Mm. Um, look at mark 634 is what i'd like to look at Um, and maybe you could read that out for us jason and jesus when he came out saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd so he began to teach them many things all right so jesus here he again this is talking about the compassion that he had for us knowing that we were sinners in a desperate situation we cannot save ourselves and uh he he had compassion on them and it says um they were like sheep having not having a shepherd Mm. moving around without a leader the shepherd leads the sheep the lead the shepherd protects the sheep the the shepherd provides for the sheep and uh jesus of course called the the good shepherd and he wanted to you know it's interesting he says i am the way the truth and the life he knows the way if we'll follow him, he'll he'll lead us in the right way. Mm. And um, he had compassion on the people because of his love for them. There's another verse on this in First Peter that I'll get you to read as well. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. All right, that was First Peter three eight and nine, mm. and again, it's it's uh, calling us now to exhibit that compassion that we have been shown by God through Jesus, mm. um, and to to you know love as brothers, you know, to have that compassion on other people who um, you know are stuck in the sin problem just like we are, but we found a solution in Jesus. Uh, and that's what we want to to bring people to try and be a blessing to them uh, so that they can be then a blessing to others. It's interesting. Um, I think Paul says, I think it's in First Corinthians chapter one or it might be Second Corinthians chapter one, where he says that he's endured many trials and they've been through very difficult times. But while they were going through that, God comforted them and mm. helped them. And then he, he says, and and now we can comfort you. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, right. we, we often go through difficult times in life so that we perhaps develop the compassion we need for others. Yes. Otherwise, we can be very easy while well, we can judge people because, mm. oh, well, you know, they, they haven't done the right thing and therefore they deserve to get what, you know, was coming to them. Absolutely. So, I, I, I always <laughs> said that, you know, that um, the more we get to know people, the more we understand them, the less we judge them. Mm. Because we get to know the circumstances of their life and, and the reasons why they might behave in a certain way. Mm. And, you know, sometimes when we think about, you know, we might think about uh, drug abuse or drug use. And um, in many circumstances, these things, whether it be alcohol or cigarettes or drug abuse or whatever it may be, it's, it's often people trying to self-medicate their pain. Mm. Uh, and we don't always see that. We just see the the the, the bad behaviour, and and we just judge judge the person on that. Mm. But sometimes it's a person who's crying out for help. They're wanting to escape the pain of whatever it is they're living through. Mm. And God understands that these things are not a solution. They actually make the problem worse. But rather, God is the solution to to their need and to their pain. So while, so, <clears throat> while God has that compassion, he doesn't want to leave people at that point. He that's wants, right. He wants people to uh, 
to be able to live a better life. Well, let's we're going to come back after the break and yeah, we'll talk do more this about after that. Break. Okay, we've got a book offer to give away now. Uh, this is called Amazing Grace, a Bible study course by Elizabeth Talbot. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Imagine two loving parents holding their baby for the very first time. Now try and imagine what they would do if their little one was snatched away from them by a kidnapper, determined to destroy the child eternally. If we can understand how a parent would feel, perhaps we can begin to understand the desperation God felt to his children. And uh, the the story of his plan of redemption is narrated from Genesis to Revelation, and it tells of his rescue plan carried out through life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, the Bible was written to announce this plan. The human race buried under sin with no possibility of eternal survival could only be rescued with help from above. The Saviour of the world came down to rescue his children and the scriptures are filled with joy and excitement for salvation has been achieved for all who accept his plan and he is coming back to take his children home. Yes, we have a master rescuer who gave us his gift of amazing grace. That's our book offer for today, Amazing Grace, and we'll give you the code right after the break. Stepping on glass We break along life's paths Our fear and loss We bring it all to you to 
More Than Rubies by The Image of God. Or maybe it was The Image of God by More Than Rubies. I might have that mixed up. (laughs) You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and we're finishing up our program today. This is the last in our series, A Light in the Dark, and we're speaking with Peter Watts about the love-hate relationship. And before the break, we talked about our book offer today. It's called Amazing Grace, a Bible study course by Elizabeth Talbot. Text in this code, LIGHT5, L-I-G-H-T and the number 5. Text that in to 0488-880-891 to claim your book offer today, your free book offer, Amazing Grace, a Bible study course. Peter, before the break, we were talking a lot about compassion and how Jesus had compassion on on the people, and uh, he has compassion on us, but he wants more than just to have compassion for us. It mm. uh, obviously starts there, but if uh, if God just had compassion on us and left us there, then we're still stuck in our sin, and he wants he wants to actually uh, change that. He wants yeah. to, our lives to change so we're not burdened by that sin anymore. Yeah, and when we think about, um, you know, again, if it's, we think about the parent-child relationship, we, we change the, the baby's diapers, right? But we hope that they will grow out of that. Mm. You know, we, we, we hope we're not changing their diapers at age 15 mm. because if we are, we know there's something seriously wrong. Mm. That should not be the case. So what I'm saying is that the loving parent will change a baby's diapers but is not expecting to have to do that for the next 10 years mm. um, because we're hoping that the child will grow. And th- mm. this is what God wants, not not because they God starts to run out of compassion, mm. but rather because he knows it's healthy for the child to grow. Yeah. Uh, and that's the point. So here in um, Matthew one twenty one, it talks about uh, this is the angel talking to Joseph. We remember the story of Mary and Joseph. And this is the angel telling Joseph about the fact that Mary's going to have the boy Jesus. A appropriate verse being that we're coming Heading up towards into Christmas. Christmas. So it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All right. So this this passage says Jesus will save his people from their sins. Mm. So sin is a problem. It's mm. bad. It's It's not simply about loving the sinner. We want to hate the sin mm. because it's the sin that's causing all the problems. It's the sin that uh, causes disease and dis- disaster and destruction in our world. And so he's saying that um, he will save you from your sins. So uh, God is not just interested in forgiving your sin. He wants you to overcome that. Mm. It's not the case that God says to the drunkard, you are forgiven, have another beer. You know, he actually wants us to be able to overcome that uh, addiction because our lives will be better and the, the lives of the people around us will be better if if we are able to overcome through the power of Christ. Um, there's another um, passage in um, John 8, John 8 mm. where a woman is uh, caught in adultery. And what's fascinating to me is they, ne- they, they, they find this woman 
caught in adultery, and they say in the very act, mm. and they throw her at Jesus' feet and say, what are you going to do? Moses said we should stone her to death, but what are you going to do, Jesus? Now, and I find it's fascinating. They don't bring the, the bloke no. and throw him at the feet of Jesus. So I think that there's an element of entrapment here where they've set this situation up, mm. and it actually says in the story they don't care about this woman. They, they just want to trap Jesus, mm. and they want to say, okay, are you going to uh, stone her? Uh, which we're not permitted to do, according to the Romans, or are you going to let her go free, which is you know not not in line with the law of Moses? What are you going to do, Jesus? Mm. Mm. And uh, there's a passage here. Uh, he, of course, marvelously in John eight says to them, "He who is without sin can cast the first stone." Mm. And of course, all of them had to leave their stones and walk away because none of them, you know, were sinless. Um, and then. Let's read this passage, Jesus yeah, 8 through 11. I'm, I'm going to go through from verse 10 just to give it a bit yeah. of context. It says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mm, that line there in verse 11 is, is really what we're talking about in a nutshell. Mm. Jesus does not condemn us. <clears throat> okay, he does not condemn us, and, but he he wants to forgive us. But he also says, "Go and sin no more," because he understands that sin is destroying our lives. Sin is separating us from God, mm. and that's the big deal. Why is God so against sin? What's the big deal? Why you know? Why, what is it all about? And uh, really, it's because it separates us from Him. We'll, we'll read a verse in line with that in a minute. But I want to um, move next to Romans seven, twelve, and thirteen. And uh, I, I read this through in the New King James, and mm. I find it a little bit difficult to understand. So you might have to okay. interpret it, or I've got the New Living Translation yep. here as well. It says, therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me that was that through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Mm, th this is in a larger context, and it's mm. probably helpful for people to read the whole of chapter 7 of Romans. But Paul is basically saying, if I didn't have the law, I wouldn't know what sin is. Mm. But now I have the law, I realize what a sinner I am, mm. right? I, now that I know all this long list of things that are wrong, I recognize that I'm a sinner, mm. uh, desperately in need of a savior. And so he's saying, but the, the point I wanted to bring out is at the end of verse 13 where it says um, that, um, where is it, that, that sin might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, that now we know what is right and wrong. As we read the scriptures, as we read the commandments of God, as we see what righteousness is through the life of Jesus, we recognize ourselves as in need of, of help because we are sinners, right? Mm. But it says here that sin might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, we need to see sin for what it is. Sometimes we will decorate sin. Sometimes, we, you know, you watch TV or uh, we might watch YouTube videos or whatever that, that actually um, celebrates sin, right, or, or um, makes sin attractive. But we need to understand that sin is exceedingly sinful. In other words, uh, it's exceedingly bad because it separates us from God. Mm. I think that's the thing, isn't it, that uh, the commandments or the law, um, we have to have that as as a, I guess, something that helps us 
identify the sin. Yeah, exactly. If we had, if we had no law, yep. we, we, we'd would have be, no sin. We would not be able to identify sin. Correct. It wouldn't be that sin doesn't exist. We just wouldn't be able to identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the purpose. That that's that's it helps <clears throat> us to understand where we are. So two two last verses I want to cover before we go, and one is Isaiah fifty nine one and two. Uh, Isaiah, I've I've got it here. You've got I it think. there. I've I've uh, not opened that up it, for it some basically, reason. Basically, yeah, it basically says that sin separates sin. Your sin has separated you from your God. Let me just try and pull it up. You got here, fifty nine verse two. Not <laughs> you've got fifty nine one o two. Yeah, let's try. I don't again. think there's that many verses. Here we go. <clears throat> Have a read of that. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. All right. Mm. So this talks about the fact, and this is why sin is such a bad deal, because mm. it separates us from God. But the last verse I want to cover is Second Corinthians five eighteen, which says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Essentially, sin separates us from God. Jesus connects us to God. Mm. And that's really the gospel in a nutshell. God wants us to love the sinner and hate the sin simply because that's the way he treats us. Well, we're out of time, Peter. This has uh, been a great journey with you over the past two years on radio. I've really enjoyed it. I have too, and I've got to know you really well. And I'm sure our listeners have got to know you better as well throughout the various series that you've presented. And uh, there is no next week on this uh, topic on this series, so next week we'll be replaying some past episodes. So we will miss you, and uh, we will be back next year with some new content and Mm. new live programs. But for now, thank you, Peter. I want to thank you very much for your contribution over the past few years. It's been a delight and a pleasure, and I hope I will um, be back on the airwaves next year sometime. Mm. Join us tomorrow with Daniel Mateo uh, with The Gift. And if you miss the code, light number 5, L-I-G-H-T 5-0488-880891 for Amazing Grace. So long, and this is Love One Another by James Carter. Love one another as I have loved you. Bear with each other and all. Be true, live for each other in unity and strength, give to each other the gift of God's grace. For the Lord is your rock, your fortress, your stronghold. It is He.
rain down on your day.